Hello and welcome to Good News That Actually Is, where three to five sets you free to thrive. Three to five minute encouragements to help your joy by empowering your soul. I am your host, Tim Ashley. take a, a little different angle to set something up for us here this morning. Uh, in matters of salvation, I don't generally encounter anyone who struggles with the idea of it being supernatural. Right? Most people are, that I encounter, I talk about, hey, you know, salvation is supernatural. It's not, it's not a natural kind of thing. It's you're born from heaven when you're saved. So when I say God supernaturally makes a new creation out of someone who's believed with the, their heart, confessed with their mouth, most that I encounter agree with that declaration really easily. It's not a stretch for them. You know, if I say, you know, when somebody's getting saved, they need to believe with their heart and confess with their mouth. They're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What are they confessing? That they receive something. Right? In that moment in time, they're confessing that they received something. Let's look at what it says if you have your Bibles, Romans 10, 8 through 13. And let's just look at how the Holy Spirit has mapped this occurrence out for us. In the Scripture. In the Scripture. So that you know I'm not just giving you my opinion. But I'm basically working off the basis of the Word of God so that what you hear in your ear and begin to believe in your heart actually comes from the Word of God and not just my personal opinion. So Romans 10, verse 8 through 13 says this, But what does it say? The Word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. Parentheses, that is the Word of faith which we preach. In parentheses, what word is in their mouth and in their heart? The word of faith. Where did that come from? Paul's preaching and others preaching planted into their lives, into their heart, the word of faith. And so what was happening? It was coming at, back out of their mouths. Once they believed it in their heart, they began to speak it out of their mouth, right? Verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you will be saved right for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation now if salvation requires confession I wonder what else might Verse 11, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. What is he to all who call upon him? Rich. 
13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, what this is trying to tell us is that anyone who believes in their heart and then confesses with their mouth, Jesus Christ is the same Lord over everyone, and he's not going to give you less than he gave another person. You understand what I'm saying? There are two things mentioned here that mark a supernatural work, and that is the mouth and the heart. Jesus said something important in Luke 6.45. Let me read that to you out of the New King James. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks now what does he mean he's not talking about actions in this particular instance he's talking about speak what you say Jesus says here that a person reveals the treasure of their heart by what they speak he uses the term good and evil as identifying the treasure of the heart. So we can find out what's in a person's heart by what they speak. Are you following me? Hebrews 3.12 interestingly says, or he speaks of, should I say it, an evil heart of unbelief. So when we're looking for speak, we're looking in a good heart. If we're looking for a good heart, we're looking for speak that is filled with belief in the goodness of God. It's what we're looking for. We're not looking for speak that is filled with doubt and unbelief in Him. We're looking for speak that rest, has peace, is filled with joy because of him right it's what we're looking for so in mark 16 jesus appears to the disciples and he rebukes their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen and reported it to them he had already told them before that he would die and rise again the third day so they were sternly rebuked for not believing others who aligned with the testimony he had already given that he would rise. And they were testifying that his word was fulfilled and he had come back from the dead and he was alive and they were not believing it. They were not believing it. But what does all this have to do with our summer school of healing? Salvation is by grace, through faith, and it is manifested by a confession of faith. Well before there can be any physical evidence to support the claim. So if a drug addict were to walk in here, all right, being friendly and everything else, and then the Spirit of God moved on their heart, that it was time for them to come to know the Lord and yield their lives to Him. And they did that. They, in their heart, they believed they could be saved in that moment in time. And then they said, I want to I make a, 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 
testimony. I want to say something here. I, I, I just received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I believe he rose from the dead. I, I believe God just called me to be his. I'm, I believe he just saved me. Okay? We don't have to wait till they go to rehab. We don't have to wait. Are, are you with me here? Our confession is a manifestation of what our heart has believed. And we are expected to be excited and rejoice just as the angels of heaven do when a faith confession is released. So it requires faith on the part of the person making the confession. And guess what? If you're going to rejoice and celebrate in the goodness of God in that confession, you're going to have, have to have faith to believe the confession. Or you won't rejoice. Now, why am I emphasizing this point? Faith causes us to speak of things as existing or being done before there can be any outward proof other than our confession of it. You know, when I got saved, all anybody had to go on was my confession of it. In that moment, there's not opportunity now, if they took my confession of it and then postured themselves and said, well, we'll see if it's true or not. Give him a month or two or three or four and we'll see where he's at. Then you didn't receive the confession by faith at all. You didn't. You, as a cynic, you rejected the confession. You just pretended in the moment to receive it. Because if you had literally received it by faith in your own heart, you'd be like the angels of heaven saying, Thank you, Jesus, for this new life. Right? If you were to come up front and declare you believe in Jesus, God raising from the dead, we would have to conclude that you have been born again. And at that very moment, Everything that he offers is to be made available to you. Everything. We're not allowed to withhold from you all the benefits. You, can, you cannot be refused water baptism, Holy Spirit baptism, communion, participation in fellowship, the gifts of the Spirit are yours. Everything that he has for you in this life is available to you that very moment. We do not get to say to you that you can only make a confession and enjoy the benefits of belonging to him after six months of proving it in life. And I know a lot of churches that have this going on right now because they're embarrassed by how many times they did celebrate somebody coming forward and then they went out and became a train wreck. So what? Amen. Let's rejoice and celebrate every confession of faith that is made. Let's celebrate it. We're not on the hook for their confession. 
We're only on the hook with God for the level of our own faith. I don't have to answer for God if they come and make a confession and then go out and do something to convince people that maybe it wasn't accurate. That's not my fault. The only thing God requires of me in that moment in time is to have the faith to rejoice in that confession. All we give an account to Jesus for is where we moved in faith and where we didn't. And if at the time you're facing him, you were moving in faith, the didn'ts go away. Because it's by faith that you please him. He's not got a little list up there and on the left side is blew it, did it. Blew it, did it. And he's not putting check marks on the board for when you get there in front of him. So he can say, let's see how this measures out. Yeah, the skills tipping on the blew it side. I would have liked to have rewarded you a lot better than I'm about to, but... You know what I think we're going to discover when we get to heaven? I think that the one thing we will discover is the many times there was an opportunity to see something amazing, but we didn't have the faith to see it. But if you remember what Jesus taught about the, the, the owner of the vineyard, he told everybody, come and work for, for me for a penny for the day. I'll pay anybody who comes to work in my vineyard today a penny. Some came in at the first, and some came in way late in the day. And then when everybody got their penny, some fussed and complained. And, Jesus, and, the, and the owner of the vineyard said, did I not agree to pay you a penny for your work for the day? Yeah. Did I not pay you a penny? Yeah. What's the problem? That's the same promise I made to everybody. I didn't make a stipulation about when they came in. I made a stipulation about it. They worked for me today. They get a penny. That's heaven. Man, I hope this is just sitting on your heart, you know. How can I say God expects us to accept your confession? Let me give you another example. Along the lines of what I'm talking about in 1 Corinthians 12, 3. 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. We need to get the tendency towards suspicion out of the body of Christ. Because it's hindering a whole lot of opportunity for the body of Christ. In the Bible, an authentic confession of faith is the litmus test for a person to be recognized as being a believer before there's any outward proof to offer. In other words, they speak it by faith and we receive their confession by faith simply based on what we see declared so clearly here in Scripture. But what does all this have to do with our summer school of healing? What does it have to do with healing? Well, healing operates by the same principles of faith. 
If you're waiting for a manifestation before you can say the healing is yours, you're not standing in faith. I'm not talking about trying to confess something into existence here. I'm not dealing in metaphysical realities. That's bogus. We don't confess things into being. We confess things that we believe in our heart, whether we see them or we don't. I confess that I'm saved whether it seems like I am or I don't. So if I'm having a bad week and I've blown it a few times or whatever and the devil wants to come and say, you really think you're saved? I'm able to save with all confidence, absolutely. And you need to get out of my face because the blood of Jesus is upon me and I don't have to put up with your nonsense. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Get away from me. See, by pleading the blood of Jesus and using the name of Jesus, I'm not rebuking him. It's the Lord rebuking him. I don't have anything to rebuke him with except that I am in Christ. And he's given me his authority, right? So everything is through him, and that is my confession, right? Just as salvation is proven ours by our confession of faith, agreeing with the promise of Scripture, so also healing is ours when we believe the promise of Scripture concerning it in our hearts and our belief manifests as a confession of faith from our mouths. There's a difference in a confession that arises out of the heart in faith and a confession from the premise of if I say it enough, eventually it might happen. No, that's Disney princess stuff. That's not biblical faith in operation. You know, after Noah got the word on the ark, I don't think he went around saying, I'm going to build an ark, I'm going to build an ark. And by, by about, you know, 1,332 times of saying it, finally believed he was going to build an ark. You don't confess yourself necessarily into belief. You confess because of your belief. See, that's the difference in a metaphysical approach to confession and a biblical approach to confession. Now, some might think it, that this is silly, but that just reveals unbelief. They insist that they're not going to make a fool of themselves until there's proof in the natural to verify the claim. They don't want anybody thinking they're crazy for speaking something out. You know what I'm saying? I remember I had an strange encounter here many, many, many years ago with a guy who struggled with the idea of faith. We were in my office, and back then, DVDs just came out. Everything prior to that was uh, VHS. How many remember those days? Right? And so we're sitting there, and I just pulled in the mail and one of the flyers downtown at this, this uh, little hotel place they do things from time to time little events I think they do the Christmas tree thing there every year I can't think of the name of the building right now but anyway they were doing a special event down there where uh, it was a job fair type thing or business promotion type thing and they were giving away a premier DVD player all you had to do is show up put your name in the till so I looked at that, 
And the Holy Spirit quickened me in my heart. And I looked at this guy and I said, you struggle with faith. He said, I wouldn't call it a struggle. I said, yeah, you do. I said, you see this ad? I said, we're going to go down there. I'm going to put in my name and I'm going to get my DVD. And he laughed at me. And I said, you're going to go with me. That's how convinced I am that that DVD is mine because the Holy Spirit just told me to do this. For your sake, we're going to go down there. And I said, and when you see me win that DVD, you're going to have to start rethinking about what faith looks like and how to hear God speak. He's going to use a silly little example like a DVD player. We went down, milled around, did some things. They got on the loudspeaker. Tim Ashley, you are the winner of our giveaway DVD player. Would you report to this, this you know, area in the, in the center? That DVD served back there for quite a long time in this church. Now, you might say, well, that's so silly. When God wants to teach you how to hear his voice, become convinced in your heart so that your confession can come forth and you can see it realized in his own precious and, you know, prime time, he'll, he'll use silly things. He moved my wife. We, we were hurting for a vehicle really bad many years ago. We had all these kids, you know, four kids and we were struggling on the transportation front, and she said, I wish I had a minivan. I said, I don't know what to tell you. I ain't got no money for a minivan. And, uh, and so she was praying about it, and the Lord told her, said, go out there in the driveway and call it in. And she said, do what? And he said, if you believe, I'm willing to give you a van. I want you to go right now out to your driveway and just call it in. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? So at midnight, if you understand the makeup of our neighborhood, from our house, anything you yell, the whole neighborhood hears. So she went out and she whispered, Lord, I thank you for the minivan that is going to be parked right here in this driveway. He said, that's not going to cut it, daughter. You're talking like you're ashamed of what I want to do for you. I need you to raise your voice. Lord, I thank you for this minivan. <laughs> Daughter, do you believe me? Will you take me at my word or will you not? I want to give you the van that you say you need. Get louder. And then she yelled it. And in two weeks, a minivan that didn't cost us a, anything was in that driveway. I'm not saying you can name it and claim it. She had a quickening in her heart for a provision from God to a particular need that we had. But it still required her by faith to make her confession in alignment with the word of the Lord she'd received in her heart. Just like you make a confession when he calls you to salvation. Right? Same principle. So how does this tie to healing? 
Check out how all this, this sounds silly, but look at how all this works. Paul is, he's speaking to this when he says in 1 Corinthians 1, 20 through 24, listen to this. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who what? Believe. For Jews request a sign. In other words, you show me something before I'll go there, right? And Greeks seek after wisdom. They want to be philosophically or logically convinced. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Your message concerning Jesus dying at the cross for sin may, feel, may seem foolish to some. Don't sit and just argue with them. It's not, why? You don't have to do that. Preach Christ crucified and let the Holy Spirit reveal to you whether there is faith going on in their heart or not. If there's faith going on in their heart, the message is not stupid to them. It makes perfect sense that he would die in my place. Because the Holy Spirit makes it make perfect sense. The natural man cannot understand the things of God. If you could map this out so beautifully, logically, systematically, it would make a difference. Unless there is faith, nothing's going to happen. And where there is faith, there'll be a manifestation of a confession. And step with that faith. Paul is speaking the faith language here. Let me give you some examples of what I'm talking about. Let me tell, show you how faith unlocks what's available to us in Jesus. Look at Matthew 9, 21, uh, 20 through 22. Suddenly, a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, if only I may touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. Why did it say hour? Why didn't it say second? In the story, it says she touched him, and she perceived she perceived she was healed. That's another way of saying she believed it. She believed it. But in this testimony of Scripture, made well from that hour. And I think that's there to give us a glimpse into the way this works. She believed she received. Jesus is going and saying, who touched me? Are you with me? She snuck in, took her healing. Her faith led her to position herself. And when she realized Jesus would find her out, she testified. She testified. She confessed. 
it was her. And then she must have shared what her deal was and why she pressed through to touch him, or we would have no record of it in the Scripture. In other words, she confessed her belief. Jesus credits her being healed to her having faith. Now, we know what faith is. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. It's the evidence of things not seen. So he tells her, your faith, so something she had not yet seen, but had a confession because of a belief. Are you trekking with me? Jesus says, daughter, your faith has made you well. A lot of people struggle with that statement. He makes it several times in the Gospels. And there are a lot of people who struggle with that statement, but it's there. Now, there were all kinds of people pressing in, touching Jesus. So what was so different about her touch and everybody else's? When she touched him, Jesus perceived power going out of him. Faith draws on the power of God. Faith draws on the power of God. In your moment of need, if you have been instilling the Word of God into your heart the way you should be, you have the ability to basically see faith arise in your heart, make the the confession that is in alignment with that faith and draw on the power of God for your situation. I hope I'm doing this justice in the way I'm approaching it with you. In Mark chapter 10, 51 and 52, Jesus is, is, is moving. He's on the move with his disciples. People are following him. They're excited. He's been doing miracles and all kinds of things. And there's this blind man off the way here. And he knows that in all this commotion, it's Jesus. Somehow, somebody must have told him. I said, what's going on? Somebody, Jesus of Nazareth is coming through. So he's screaming over and over and over again, Son of David, have mercy on me. And so they go to him and say, you know, you need to be quiet. You'll disturb the master. Son of David, have mercy on me. He keeps going. The disciples even try to hush this man. He won't hush. So Jesus asked him, what would I do for you? For, what would you have me do for you? And in response, the man says, I would that I could see. So Jesus answers and says to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man says, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately, in this case, immediately, once Jesus says that, he recognizes his faith. As soon as he recognizes his faith, immediately the man receives his sight and follows Jesus on the road. 
This blind man's faith led him to be persistent, even with people telling him to hush. And his faith made him determined. His faith led him to speak out. Jesus credits the man's eyesight to his own faith for it. Do you understand that God hates sickness just like he hates sin? Do you know that? Sickness was not God's plan. It came through the fall. Jesus came to undo the effects of that fall. God loves faith, but he abhors unbelief. He's never put off by a good, honest faith confession. Man might, make it, man might think it's strange, but why should you care what a natural thinking person has to say about the things of God? What's that to you? This is why we must get the Word of God into our hearts by means of meditating upon it. You need to be putting something into the bank. You know, I've learned something about finances over my tenure here. I'm 58 now. Took me a little longer than it took some to figure it out, but I did figure it out. I found out that if you want something that you think you need and it costs a certain amount of money, if you don't have that money in the bank, you can't buy it. Unless you want to go deep into credit and then later on have to file bankruptcy, you're not going to get it. Right? You need something in your bank account to draw on. Your heart is your spiritual bank account. What are you putting in it? What are you putting in the bank account? Because trust me, there are going to be things come up in your life. You're going to need to be able to make a withdrawal. Now, Jesus has promised that out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Whose belly does that flow? That, the one who believes. That's the one that has the river of living water flowing out. Not the one who doesn't. It is the one who believes. And we have even set it up in the church in such a way for many decades now that what it is is God's got some special people that move in the power of the Holy Spirit and then there's the rest of us. No, 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 no. That's not true. That's not true. We are all His sons and daughters. We are all equally favored by God. We all are entitled to the measure of faith that we've been given and to even see that grow by the entrance of His Word into our heart. You can also help build up your faith by praying in the Spirit, Jude says. Right? So there's that, that element too. And, and then we all have differing gifts, but we all have an anointing. The difference is that some of us actually believe it. We have to get the Word of God into our hearts by means of meditating upon it. We need to let the promises set up shop in our minds until our hearts become convinced and we begin to speak it out as being done already. You aren't in heaven yet, but don't you claim it's yours and that you're going there? Have you ever seen heaven?
But isn't it strange how easy it is for everybody who professes to be a Christian, just because they read about heaven and the Word of God, in my Father's house there are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would not have told you. That's what they'll quote to you. I know there's a heaven. I know I got a mansion there. I know I got this. How do you know that? It says so in the Bible. It also says you can be healed, that you were healed, that by the stripes of Jesus, you were past tense healed. It also says that he gives a diversity of gifts to the believers. That means you have a gift. It also says, you follow what I'm saying? Why do we only fight for the promise of heaven, but not for the other promises? It also says this one. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. All of them. Thanks for tuning in today. Never forget that you are loved by a faithful God whose obedient son, Jesus Christ, willingly died on a cross so that you can live today and always from the abundance of his life in you. Please subscribe and share this with others so that they too can experience the three to five that sets you free to thrive. And be sure to tune in next time to good news that actually is. Please visit us at our website, goodnewsthatactuallyis.com. There you'll find transcripts of the program, video files, and other opportunities. We look forward to visiting with you there and ask you to subscribe. Have a great day.